Orange sparks shoot from sharp talons in the dark, glinting off a hand encased in deep red scales. Yellow reptilian eyes catch and hold your attention as a large figure steps into the light. Clad in a rich emerald green velvet robe, a black leather belt with pouches slung low across the hips. Though her age is hard to guess, the smirk on the dragonborn's face belies a sense of mischief and perhaps trickery. This scene, Jason, the dragonborn draconic bloodline sorcerer, say that five times fast, is brought to you by Describe. Visit Describe.com slash RPGBot and use coupon code RPGBot5 to get $5 off your first subscription payment. Welcome to the RPG Pop Podcast. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ashley Lai. My blood's just more pure than you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what are you, a yawn tea? No, I am a magical savant. Magic runs in my family. So you see, I know that you're a petty wizard. You had to learn to get your magic, Tyler. I... Man. Nobody runs in your family. Maybe, maybe he, w- <laughs> maybe he was born with it. Maybe it was Maybelline. No, I was definitely born with it. Could you imagine if Maybelline gave you sorcerer's powers? <laughs> <laughs> Smoking yeah, brushes on that's like sorcerer's powers, right? He yeah. just has glorious hair, and that's how you know. It's like, yeah. But I'm that's actually called a hair magician. Uh, <laughs> yeah, could you please cast a spell, just one tiny spell, <laughs> as I rub my bald head? Uh, you know, actually, uh, the Maybelline uh, thing makes maybe. a certain amount of sense. Like, if you could get some flowing locks, if you could get some smoky eyeshadow, we got to get the charisma up, right? Like, that's that's what we got to work on. <laughs> I meant to I meant to do something in intro with like the so so sorcerer thing. So I thought that was clever from mm. the D and D movie, but yeah, anyway. It was Simon uh, the Soap Soap Sorcerer. That, yeah. That is pretty good. <laughs> I do like that. But yeah. here we are. Okay. All right, Tyler. I feel like you already said what we're doing. Say what we're doing even harder. All right. We are talking about sorcerers tonight. So these are the RC Cola to the Wizard's Coke. Uh, they're not. Harumph, <laughs> uh, sir. I say harumph. We sorcerers right. are superior. <laughs> all right fine they're pepsi all right that's better that's better, that's yeah. better. midwestern wizards that. is that your <laughs> that's your stance now okay <laughs> sure yeah. all right i, yes, I can imagine gonna... walking up to a table in a convention and they're like oh, i'd like to play a wizard and they're like oh sorry we're out is sorcerers okay <laughs> no what if i brought my own wizard from home you can't have that in here <laughs> sir yeah. you no outside warlock? food or classes oh. <laughs> 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 a warlock is just like your your uh sack lunch wizard i guess Look, if uh, i went into a no, diner the warlocks are the rs the warlocks are the rc cola of of the casting classes honestly that's fair yeah <laughs> yeah they're more yeah. of a martial class let's be honest than a casting class well like how do they even exist in today's world when have you ever been anywhere gone to got a fountain drink and somebody's like it's like oh it's rc cola obviously they have made a deal with the devil it's the only thing that can explain it. That is true. Yeah, no. How is RC Cola still around? They made a deal with the devil. Yeah, exactly. And the other Obviously. thing is, you introduce yourself as like, I have made a deal with the old god Cthulhu for great eldritch power. What does this power allow you to do? Allows me to cast uh, this thing that gives me ice armor for an hour. <laughs> I can do it once a day. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> Didn't say it was a good deal. And then yeah, you okay, so. nap, but, yeah. <laughs> RC Cola, obviously the warlock of the soda world. Okay. Um <laughs> yeah. have we done here? So sorcerers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sorcerers. We're gonna focus. All right. So we are gonna talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about optimizing sorcerers. Just as we've done now with the fighter, the cleric, the rogue. We're now doing sorcerer. Now, we did discuss doing the wizard, and Randall and Ash are making me save that one for last because it's my favorite. Absolutely. I felt like the sorcerer was the next logical choice as the, like, four-role 
What's trifecta but four? Quadrumvirate. Sure. Yeah, sure. Quadrumvirate. Yeah. Wait, what, what were the, that's a, the, the four Roman dudes? What were they called? There was a triumvirate. Wasn't there like a quad something? Anyway. No, there was it was only triumvirate. <laughs> All right. The, um, the fourth wheel on the car. How about that? Yeah. Um, fighter, <laughs> mage, rogue, and cleric. cleric. Yeah. 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 So sorcerer seemed like the next logical choice instead of wizard as like, hey, here's how you optimize an arcane spellcaster. We've talked about clerics and like they have armor and all of those things. Sorcerers work very differently from clerics. They have a very different spellcasting set, repertoire, capabilities, all those things. So optimizing them obviously looks different. So we're going to look at how we optimize a sorcerer in D&D 5e. And we're going to go 1 to 20. This is going to be another two-part episode because there's a lot to pack in. So yeah, let's let's jump right into sorcerers. Who's excited? I'm stoked. I'm I actually am, really excited. Because I know that... I know this is going to be painful for Tyler. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. All right. Uh, okay. All right. We, we already did the soda metaphor. I got to pick on sorcerers a little bit for not being wizards. I'm going to, I'm going to shelve my wizard bias and look at sorcerers objectively, calmly, and for their merits. And I will minimize the urge to compare them unfavorably to wizards. This is also fun for me because Sorcerer might be my favorite class, so. <laughs> I respect that. Some people drink Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> I will have you know, sir. I'll have you know. <laughs> okay. There, there was a moment so, there where I almost thought, like, that's big of you. That's big of you. And then, <laughs> then you kept talking. I know. I can't help myself. No, you, you just have to diss on it. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go straight in. Ability scores, same place we've started with every class. So just like any class, you're going to start you with ability scores, race, class, all at the same time. We've already decided on sorcerer as the class, so like that that decision is made for you. Next, you need to pick a race that supports the class. If you're not using post Tasha's races or the custom origin rules, you need a race that provides you with a charisma increase because you're most crucial ability score as a sorcerer is of course charisma basically all of your skills that matter and also for all of your spellcasting class features so charisma 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 if you're doing anything other than charisma something is weird and you're probably doing something interesting constitution dexterity like those are your secondary stats for defenses no big surprises there. Like you don't get armor proficiency, so you need as many hit points as you can get and as much AC as you can get. So what that translates to mean is that while the wizards are in their rooms studying, we're out getting laid. So uh, obviously, <laughs> we're the alphas of the wizarding world. <laughs> <sighs> while, while you were out partying, I was studying the book. I, yeah yeah i didn't have to study to be better than you <laughs> <laughs> hey sorcerer change your spells Just look, right. you. look. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll, we'll get there we'll get there we're saving that all right <laughs> proficiencies you get some so sorcerers notably get proficiency in constitution saves which is actually a huge advantage for a spellcaster the only full spellcasters that get proficiency in constitution saves are the sorcerer. Artificers get it too. Eldritch knights kind of count technically, but we're not counting them. So basically, sorcerer kind of stands alone there. They're the only full spellcaster that gets constitution save proficiency, and that means concentration is considerably safer. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't make it safe. It's safer. Still unproven. Uh, let's see, you get proficiency in simple weapons, but beyond super low levels, that's really not going to matter. A An easy trick for low-level spellcasters, a light crossbow with 16 dexterity is more damage than you can do with any of your cantrips. Unless you're, unless you're a warlock with Eldritch Blast and Agonizing Blast, but that is not this episode. So, crossbow until level 4, level 5, switch to cantrips. They get some skills... Unsurprisingly, it's all the face skills, and then also you can choose Arcana and Religion, but almost every sorcerer dumps Intelligence, so like, yeah, you can pick them. You're going to be bad at them, but you can pick them. It's technically a choice. Why would I pick something that's not worth my time? <laughs> Look, do you, do you, 
not have any academic curiosity into how all of this. No, that's what you're for. That's what's your for nerd. You're the nerd in the party. I'm the guy who gets stuff done. That's how this works. (laughs) (laughs) I think this episode should just be retitled Ash bullying Tyler. (laughs) I'm being bullied on my own podcast. (laughs) But if you think about it, right? If, if a 20 year old human wizard meets a 20 year old human sorcerer for the next five to 10 years, that sorcerer is totally going to be dunking on him. It's going to be great. And then they're going to turn 40. The sorcerer is still basically going to be the same dude. He always was. And finally the wizard's like, ha ha, I've read enough books now. So what you're saying is that sorcerers are basically the jocks and wizards are the nerds. Of the magicking world, 100%. 100%. Yeah, no, that is true because sorcerers definitely excel at the early to mid-levels but then get severely outclassed by wizards in the game. And and then the warlocks (laughs) went to private school. Yeah, that Uh, sounds right. Warlocks didn't go to private school. They bribed someone to get a good job after college. That's true. Yeah, they're they're the trust fund baby. And also they diversified their portfolio by learning other skills besides Warlock. (laughs) By the end of this, we'll have an analogy or two. Yeah, (laughs) several. So spellcasting. Spellcasting is why you are here. It is the primary function of a sorcerer to cast one or more spells. There, there's some cool things about sorcerer spellcasting that are pretty pretty easy to overlook. Like notably, sorcerers get two more cantrips than any other class in the game. Right off the bat, you start with four. Most spellcasting classes don't get four cantrips until level like either level four or level ten, depending on the class. You get more than anybody else. At level 10, you'll have six, and that's just within your class, like no multi-classing, no feats, none of that nonsense. You have a more diverse selection of cantrips. You can do more things. You're not just locked into like, okay, I need guidance and firebolt and booming blade, and there I am stuck. You can do more interesting things with your cantrips, which is especially useful because sorcerers know very, very few spells, even compared to the one other, uh, well, the two other arcane spellcasters that learn their spells permanently, Bard and Warlock. Sorcerers get more cantrips, but fewer known leveled spells. Sorcerers are very much about like, I have a few really, really good tools, and I have to kind of twist them to fit whatever my needs are in any given situation. So like, if you go into playing a sorcerer with that idea in mind, you're much better prepared. Like wizards are very much have every tool for every situation and switch between them. Sorcerers are like, I have a hammer, I have a chisel, I can solve any problem. This is where I take some issue with fifth edition because sorcerers got shafted in fifth edition. The big advantage they had over wizards in 3.5 and also in Pathfinder 2 is that they were more flexible with their casting than wizards were because wizards had to think ahead as to what spells they wanted to ca- they were going to cast that day and they couldn't change them at all. They couldn't just be like I want to use this spell slot for this one and you know like they had to prepare each slot a number of times. So if you want to cast two fireballs, you have to cast you have to prepare two fireballs. Whereas a sorcerer, as long as they know a spell, they can use whatever spell slot they want to use it. But since now wizards can do that too, I guess I'm over here just twiddling my thumbs and wishing I was a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. You get it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So so let's look at a couple of really noteworthy spells. Like I said, sorcerers don't learn a ton of spells, and you can retrain exactly one spell every time you gain a level, which means you're generally stuck with whatever spells you learn for the most part. You can't change your spell repertoire on a daily basis like a wizard can, so you can't change to respond to challenges that you know are coming. So you have to pick the spells right the first time. Generally, that means you have to pick the best spells on your spell list. Otherwise, like I've had the spell for like five levels. I haven't had a chance to retrain it because I have to retrain other spells that I'm also stuck with. And it's just dead weight in a space where you have very little space for dead weight. This I also think uh, translates into how nice of a DM you have. I think that it's a, it takes a very cruel DM to be like, oh, hey, I made a mistake because I didn't know what I was doing and I took the wrong spell. Can I change it? Yeah, when you level up, I I, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> like, don't be that guy. Just let your sorcerers change their spell if they took the wrong one. 
But, yeah, I think yeah. especially if you have a new table or, or if it's the first time this particular player has ever played a sorcerer or maybe any caster, 100% just give that to them. But maybe also as we get to higher levels, like when you get into second tier play, at, that might be the point where we say, okay, now that you're starting to get the game, now this is making a lot more sense, we are going to lock in and we're going to go back to this one spell per. I feel like that's not super punishing. If you've steered a character from one to six, at that point, I feel like... Yeah, but when you're just starting out, be a little bit forgiving of your sorcerers. You know, even if they've played the game for a while, they might not have played sorcerer before. Maybe they're used to wizard and they're used to not having to think too carefully about what spells they're going to be stuck with. And obviously, like, I'm usually okay with what at whatever point if someone realizes that their spell is not as good as they want it to be, they're allowed to change it. Just as long as they don't abuse that, be like, oh, hey, I was wondering if I could change my spell this next day. It's like, no, <laughs> obviously you can't do that. But if you make a mistake or realize the spell isn't as good as you thought it was, it's no problem and, and no shame in changing the spell out. I, yeah, But I, it is there for DMs who want to be more strict, I guess. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, they have to have a rule in it to allow it so that your DM doesn't just say, like, look, I'm just trying to stick to the rules and it says you have this permanently. I'm sorry. Yeah, it gives them an out, like, with the, the common and uncommon items in Pathfinder 2. So, yeah. Yeah. Noteworthy spell options. I picked some of my favorite cantrips for the Sorcerer. I think I've talked about Mind Sliver before on the podcast, not in any of the optimization um, episodes, but, like... It's been a while, though. It's a great, it's a great cantrip. All right, yeah. so remind folks at home, what does Mind Sliver do? It's an intelligent save, or the target takes 1d4 damage and then takes minus 1d4 on their next saving throw. The damage obviously isn't spectacular. It's, it's a d4. Uh, it's kind of like Vicious Mockery. You're here mostly for the debuff, but because it's on an intelligent save, it's consistently reliable across the full level range against anything except a wizard, basically. like Or a Mind Flayer. Yes, they're kind of wizards. <laughs> uh, How dare you? How dare you call a mind flip? That is an that is ab- abhorrent in their culture. Arcane wizardry fair. would be anathema to their culture. Don't you dare call a mind flayer a wizard. <laughs> anyway, slander aside. Yeah, targeting intelligence saves. It's consistently useful across the entire level range. The average intelligence save of every monster in the SRD never gets above plus two at any level. At any point in your career, intelligence is usually the most reliable save. Weirdly, dexterity is more reliable at a couple of points, but it's almost always intelligence. Like we have an article on the site about what the SRD tells us about character optimization. So we'll link that in the show notes. And it's it's full of charts and math. It's great. I love it see other favorites minor illusion is super awesome we've talked about illusion spells on the podcast and just the ability to take a five foot cube and make it a problem for people like just here's barrel to hide inside whatever like really good works in almost every situation shape water another favorite this one as long as you have enough water you can solve a ton of problems like there there's a lot of damage you can do by turning water into ice and then back or just moving water around places that it shouldn't be getting things wet taking water out of things like just in general shape water it's pretty great uh i've seen some creative uses of shape water have you seen anybody use it to make tools no but i have seen someone one of the, the first session of dnd i ever ran one of my players used shape water to make a some stairs out of ice so that they could nice. climb up to the top of a cliff. It was very creative. Yeah, <laughs> that works. Normally, you would need something way more powerful, like stone shape or wall of stone or something to do that. But yeah, if you have enough water and shape water, you can solve that problem pretty easily. Any other favorite cantrips from the list, guys? Randall, you got anything? Randall, you should tell a story about Green Flame Blade. Look, okay, that was abnormal. The dice were in my favor, and I... Uh, yeah, okay, I'll talk about it. Uh <laughs> I ran a sorcerer. My sorcerer was a little bit kind of manic in appearance, loved to threaten people, loved to not like in the obnoxious sort of thing, but just all of a sudden would get big when problems arose. And so throughout that campaign, we were tracking it. I had greater than 100% kill rate, not hit rate, kill rate with Green Flame Blade. Because I would constantly, with my little sorcerer self, be running into trouble 
stabbing one thing and then having the green flame hop off and just yeah that that was it that was all they had left and everyone's like mm. huh the wizard <laughs> the sorcerer yeah yeah i wasn't a wizard i was a sorcerer flame blade Green flame blade might not be the best choice for a sorcerer, if I'm being honest. <laughs> nope. I loved it. It was great. And I'll hear, I will hear yeah. nothing of it. <laughs> wait, till, wait till you hear what I'm going to do with green flame blade tonight. I'm very excited. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm excited for you. So classics for me, prestidigitation, just always useful. Good for like creating small, small symbols, light, like cleaning stuff. Just, just a fun cantrip. Mage hand can be useful in certain situations, especially like if you're don't want to touch something because you're pretty sure it's trapped and you're just like touch. <laughs> uh, I saw one player. I had, I had to come to terms with how this would work recently in a game that I was running. My sorcerer player actually used mage hand because they were afraid that a chest was trapped. It was actually a mimic. And I was like, how is this going to work? <laughs> I, <laughs> rolled, to I rolled, I rolled. Yeah, they tried to touch it with the hand, and so I ruled that the mage hand got stuck to the to the mimic, and then <laughs> came came alive. But yeah, so fairy down mimics also good for that. Message is also just very useful. Being able to communicate non verbally with your party members is great, as long as you don't mind looking like an idiot in uh, social situations where uh, everybody in the party is just like pointing silently at each other. <laughs> it's just like, why are you guys pointing at each other? <laughs> Message is a weird one because it has a verbal component and verbal components have to be spoken aloud. So like to cast message, you have to be like, I am casting message. And then you can whisper your message so that only the recipient can hear it. Yeah, no, the verbal we component can, is we can, we, Bash hears this. We, can, <laughs> we can ignore that part of it. Is it really? Let me double check. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I was what, like, the uh-huh. what the hell? What the hell? That's so dumb. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I've always ignored that. So, um, but I, I mean, even if it's like not a subtle spell, being able to communicate over a lot larger distances is always useful. Like if you're going, if you, especially if you're like on opposite sides of a room or exploring a dungeon in different areas, you don't even have to see the target. You just have to point at them yeah. and they get the message. So yeah, yeah it's the the range on it can be measured like it, it specifically says the message can go like around corners and stuff. The material component is a piece of wire. So I think what they're trying to convey is the like two cups attached by a wire like that. That is the idea. of message. Why did you make this spell that. lame, Watsy? Like I <laughs> loved this cantrip. And now that I'm finding all this stuff, it just sounds so lame now. Oh, it's Boo. been like that. It's been like that for several editions. It's, it's, it's I know, actually... but I've I've just always God dang it! I've been really message wrong, <laughs> and I prefer the way that I use it. So screw the rules. I'm using it the way I use it. Yeah, it's like what <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell called, and he wants his spell back. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what, what some spell li- is for. Are we the little rascals now? Like, what the heck? That's so dumb. Uh. All right, uh, now that I'm thoroughly angry and disappointed in myself, let's move on. Okay, first level spells. So these are at first level, at least. These are your heavy hitters, your leveled spells. You're going to eat your spell slots, all those. A little more oomph than your cantrips. And keep in mind, again, since since rules is written, you can only retrain one spell every time you regain a level. It's entirely possible that the spells you know at first level, you're going to be stuck with for a long time. You learn a new spell at every level until level 10 realistically at least one spell you're probably going to be stuck with so you know pick good offensively like you've got three really good options to look at at first level spells chromatic orb chaos bolt magic missile magic missile always works mathematically it is the best and most reliable damage you can get from a first level spell bar none i have done the math Chromatic Orb and Chaos Bolt kind of share the same niche, so it's really easy to compare the two of them. Like, if they hit, they'll do more damage than Magic Missile, but there's always the chance of missing. Chromatic Orb is nice because you can pick which element of damage it does. Almost every time you're going to pick Thunder because almost nothing resists Thunder, but it's kind of neat. Like, I, I look, a plant, fire. Chaos Bolt, you get to choose semi-randomly like you roll you roll 2d8 plus 1d6 for the damage you use one of the two d8s to determine what kind of damage you get 
And if you roll the same number on both D8s, the bolt jumps to another creature. So like that is why the damage is lower than chromatic orb because you have that remote chance of it jumping. It's a one in eight chance. It's not going to happen, but it's there. It's uh, still fun. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anyone cast Chaos Bolt. Not once in all of the years I've been playing 5e. Yeah. Did it work? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nice. When it works, it's I mean, fun. Did it jump? Yeah. It jumped <laughs> nice. twice. Whoa. Good for them. Okay. On a hit, on a hit, you get to roll again, and presumably there's an opportunity to go again. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's if you if you're really lucky, like it can infinitely bounce. Like if you're really lucky, um, yeah. That's just, what's gets, cool about Chaos Bolt. But it gets it's incredibly just, unlikely. That, yeah, yeah. The best skill you yeah. can if have for that is to be a liar. <laughs> I mean, if you're, yeah, that's true. But if you're a gambling man. Chaos Bolt is your friend. <laughs> okay. I, I, I see the light in Randall's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love me some magic missile. We'll talk about why later. Just everybody put in your back pocket. My sorcerer, magic missile. Let's party. Defensively, you've got some really good options at this level. Absorb elements will give you resistance to elemental damage from one source so like uh, one fireball one spell one being stabbed with a flaming sword fantastic if you're getting a big hit mage armor it's mage armor it's great for low level armorless casters just awesome boost your ac in the last eight hours and then of course shield which you know plus five for one round as a reaction pretty great but elite your spell slots so not always a great option at low levels better to not get punched in the face that's true. Don't do it. Don't take silvery Don't do barbs. It. I see you. I see you <laughs> looking at that list. Don't take silvery barbs. I'm going to slap you. Bad sorcerer. Bad. <laughs> if I can, I am. Uh, be very two clear. spells that I... <laughs> <laughs> I think the ones that... Yeah, I mean, silvery barbs is incredible. But some ones that I want to add to Tyler's list that I think Tyler's list is pretty much the go-to of what you should get. Since you don't get to change out your spells a lot, you want to take the objectively best spells. Some other ones, if you don't really mind that, like if you're not trying to optimize, Ice Knife is solid. The only problem with it is that some things, depending on the campaign, a lot of things resist cold damage. But, you know, the possibility of it splashing is always fun. And it's especially good for people who don't like missing things because it at least has a consolation prize if you miss. Shield is also good to add to your stuff but you can probably get away with not using it and disguise self especially if you're going to be the face disguise self can be useful but there are other ways you can get disguise self aside from the spells if you don't have those options really available and you want to do more infiltration and stuff like that you can pick that one sleep is a great choice at first level it doesn't scale super well but like at levels one and two it can just end an encounter so that's always nice yeah no, that is good. Should we talk about subclasses? Yeah. Okay. So Sorcerer is one of those classes where you get your subclass at level one. That's going to change in one D&D because it's changing for every class. But like the cleric, you have to pick your subclass right at level one because you're getting your magic from your bloodline, presumably. And like you don't develop ancestry at level three. Let's do what we always do. I name out the subclasses. You say good or not good. Abert Mind. Fantastic. Yeah. Clockwork Soul. Also pretty Very. pretty dang good. Yeah. Clockwork Soul and Abert Mind might be the best sorcerer subclasses. I'm not gonna lie, for one very yeah. specific reason. Yeah. Um <laughs> Divine Soul. Very good. If you want to be a healer. Draconic classic. Definitely yeah. worth it. Classic. Thinking. Uh mm-hmm. it's de- it's decent. It's it's not going to be Yeah, like, it's very middle of the or... road. It, yeah, it's yeah. not gonna be the most amazing, but it's definitely a good one. Like, especially if you're just starting out as sorcerer, draconic is probably the way to go. I'm gonna have uh, so much fun with it. Lunar. <laughs> you're gonna have fun with I don't know a lot about lunar. Is it good? It's pretty good. Like it, it has this cool mechanic where you can change this the bonus subclass spells on a long rest, which I think is really novel. It's got a few really cool features. I haven't stared at it enough to remember all of the features off the top of my head, but it is a lot of fun to play. Mm. Shadow. Oh, I love Shadow. Hound of Ill Omen is so cool. Shadow has a lot of good flavor to it. I don't know if it's the strongest, but it is very cool. Uh, Storm. I'm going to say Storm is pretty pretty good. 
uh, it's not um, amazing, but it's it's especially if you're if you're building it a certain way, you can get a lot of mileage out of it. Like if you're gonna do Storm Sorcerer, probably it's in your best interest to multi-class with Tempest Cleric for obvious reasons. But it's still required. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild magic, everybody's favorite controversial one. It's it's supposed to be so much fun, but it's, it's chock full of flavor. Uh, it's look at all yeah, that. Not the only time it's fun is if your DM homebrews the way the wild magic surges work, because realistically, you're gonna barely wa- wild magic surge in the entirety of your campaign career. The way that I do it is that even cantrips can create wild magic surges, and basically the way I do it is. Every time you would have the potential to wild magic surge and you don't, the DC for you taking a wild ma- getting a wild magic surge goes up by one. So it becomes inevitable that you will wild surge at some point. If you want it to be less than that, like you can say that the DC resets on a long rest, but I think it's fine if you just it just continuously builds on itself. Um because that way you're sorcerer. So our our wild magic sorcerers out there not running tides like not using tides of chaos well tides of chaos is a later feature no, starting starting at um, first level and also tides of chaos is not good um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah t- tides of chaos is their first level feature alongside wild magic it oh that's the i'm one thinking that of a different thing i'm thinking of a different thing the one that allows you to add a d4 that's bend luck my bad yeah yeah so yeah. you you modify chance gain it gain advantage on one attack roll ability check or saving throw once you do so, you can't do it again until you take a long rest. Once you've done that, you have now pulled the cap off. Anytime before you regain the use of this feature, DM can have you roll on the Wild Magic Surge table immediately after you cast a Sorcerer spell of first level or higher. So it's no longer roll and see if you roll a one and then we're going to go to the table. It's boom all the time. So if players are out there thinking like, oh, I'd never get the roll on the table and why aren't we getting all this chaotic magic? Like you can pull the pin on that grenade anytime you want playing this class if you're if you're whining that you're not getting to do it it's because you're not pulling the pin often enough just like Uh, wake up in the morning the other pull the pin and party the other reason that you people are also still complaining is because did you see that very important sentence the dm can have you roll (sighs) that's the operative word the dm doesn't have to make you roll so Come that's on, that's the problem. That, that's the big problem with this class that people have is it is very dependent on what kind of DM you have. Some DMs don't like wild magic surges and they won't let you wild magic surge at all, which makes it a terrible class to play. Session zero conversation. Uh, some wild, some yeah. Some DMs are very generous, so it yeah. It's a conversation. If you're going to play wild magic sorcerer, that's a conversation you need to have with your DM. Yeah, I, I 100%. Like, it's it's a session zero conversation. I do, I, I want to say, though, it's like we're talking about, like, I love rolling on the wild magic table. It's wonderful. I would love wild magic surges all the time. What did I roll? Oh, God, I rolled a seven, and we are level one. You cast fireball as a third <laughs> level spell centered on yourself. End of campaign. <laughs> like, how do we keep yep. going from here? Uh, it's like, and then it got worse. But there's some fun stuff on there, too. Did you say this was controversial? A little bit. Wild yeah, magic? Little bit? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. It's definitely the most controversial. If not 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 the if not the most controversial subclass in DD, it's probably the most controversial subclass for the sorcerer. I'm I'm now trying to think of like what other subclasses are controversial because I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there where it's like when we talk about it, immediately everybody's reaction is just like, that's terrible. Like it's not controversial, it's just awful. <laughs> uh this is the one where like it's legitimately like, is this fun? I don't know. I can't tell. Uh, i'll let you know if we survive <laughs> i i could say the zealot barbarian is controversial but that's mostly because like a lot of people think it's really really cool and i have looked at it like every which way and unless you plan to repeatedly die it's just not very good uh also twilight cleric is pretty controversial oh. just because of how op it is and yeah, peace, peace domain cleric, cleric. Mm-hmm. Well, I say, like, is that controversial or is it just one of these like it's game breaking so you can't have? I guess that's a form of controversy, except for the controversy is do you want to be at my table or not? Well, there, there's <laughs> argument there, there there are arguments as to like it's not that bad or stuff like that. So like, yeah, it's 
Yeah. I okay. I, we, I, we, I could, we could make an entire episode about this, but to keep length short, let's get back to what we were doing. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's a different topic. episode. <laughs> but yeah. which soda are they? <laughs> oh lord. All right. So which subclass is everybody going? I think I'm gonna go for shadow. Like I played a Hell I yeah. played a shadow sorcerer in Randall's his zombie campaign, the first campaign he ever ran for me, and I had so much fun with that character. Like it oh, it's just such a fun subclass to play. Yeah. All all these dogs distracting my zombies, chickens <laughs> clucking, like it was a whole thing. Yeah. It, was, it was terrible. I mean it was it was fun. <laughs> I had a good time. Very confused dragon zombies. It was wonderful. Okay. I'm gonna go with Draconic Bloodline, and I know I Ash, you didn't use the words, but I feel like basically what you said is that it's basic. Awesome. Yes. And you're, okay. and you're basic. Yeah, so it's going to be great. I am making a request to my two DM friends that are here with me. Obviously, when the Player's Handbook came out, we didn't have the full list of dragons that we have today. I would very much like my Draconic Bloodline to be from a gym dragon, the Amethyst Dragon. Is that Did they add that option? No, oh. they haven't, but I'm making that request. I mean, obviously, uh, Draconic Ancestry... Gotcha. I, I'm not just limited to having ancestry from these dragons. Uh, other dragons also have ancestors. <laughs> the the issue I think with picking in gem dragons is that gem dragons are all psychic. Then that begs the question of like, what damage type do you resist? It's force. Um, Amethyst are force dragons, and that's what I want. Give it to me. Give it to me now. Oh, uh, that's a pre- that's a pretty strong resistance. Well, <sighs> is it really? Because force damage is super rare unless it's coming. That's fair. From players. Yeah, that's fair. But it does mean that like the disintegrate spell is way less threatening to you. Yeah. Um, How many times have, you, have I, you been disintegrated? That's fair. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. And Tyler, you're into I'm taking it. OK, uh, as as a DM, like as a seasoned, experienced DM, you would say, can I have X? And uh, my first question would be like, why? What are you planning to do with this? OK, uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit. I'll I'll explain myself. My 6th level feature, Elemental Affinity. Starting at 6th level, when you cast a spell that deals damage of the type associated with your Draconic Ancestry, you can add your Charisma modifier to 1 damage roll of that spell. Magic Missile is 1 damage roll. <laughs> yep. magic, and, magic Missile. And I am going to Magic Missile everything. That is this character. Sure, it's fine. Magic Missile and Knives. Rules as written, that is how that works. That is how it works for Evoker Wizards how it has worked since the 2014 PHB and Jeremy Crawford has confirmed that yes, that is rules as written how that works. Now that does so much damage that it makes things kind of a problem. It's like if I was going to let you bring that to my game, I would say like, okay, you're going to bring that, but we're here to play and I'm going to kick in your teeth. Uh, <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> um, so, so what you're saying is, is that you can add, your charisma bonus to each of the d4s yes, yes i roll i roll leave once. my t- leave my table sir <laughs> leave my table that is not uh, the game that I, ash wants to play yeah, yeah no i the limitation i would put on that is you get it once in the casting of the spell so choose which d4 you want to put it on and that's the one you're getting you cheeky bastard <laughs> okay, if, if that is the choice you make my backup would be to take something to give me fire and then I'll fireball everything okay. instead. Yeah, that I got no problem with that. That's yeah, fine. I'm only going to get the Christmas modifier <laughs> once. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. once it's on one damage roll. That same damage roll applies to every target. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ash, what are you playing? So I'm recreating a character that I never got to play, but I really wanted to. Her name is Euphoria, a tiefling. And this was before I played Baldur's Gate. I just want to let you know, in case okay. people think I'm stealing this idea. She is an aberrant mind sorcerer, and she got her abilities from a failed tadpole insertion. From oh. yeah, so I played that before I played Baldur's Gate, and I was like, "Why didn't I play Yuffie on my first playthrough?" I had forgotten about <laughs> Yuffie, and I was like, "She would have been perfect for this." So yeah, I was like, "Holy crap!" Great minds think alike. Anyway, yeah. uh, yes, she's an aberrant mind, and aberrant mind sorcerers are fantastic. For one of the biggest reason is they get extra spells. The other sorcerer classes, besides Clockwork, Soul, and Lunar, screw you guys. You guys don't get extra spells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. and also, I can change those spells if I want to. They have to be enchantment or divination, which when I originally was creating UV, I was planning on making one of those silvery barbs. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> unless you want unless you hate your DM, don't do that. <laughs> okay, so let let's talk about the the bonus spells there because folks may not have realized that this is a thing. So Aberrant Mind and Clockwork Soul came in Tasha's and both of those two subclasses give you 10 additional spells known. Levels 1 through 5, you get two of each spell level. Each subclass has the ability to retrain those additional spells with some restrictions specific to the subclass. Like Ash said, Aberrant Mind, you get to retrain them into Enchantment or Divination. It's not whatever you want, but you can notably do some like really silly things like getting Silvery Barbs. But just having 10 additional spells known is a massive massive improvement to the sorcerer's versatility like i'm staring at the sorcerer table now at level 20 you know 15 spells so 10 more spells is it's a massive increase like you're getting another two-thirds beyond the normal number of spells known that you have now they do stop at fifth level but like that's not a profit yeah and on a a free cantrip you get one more cantrip to your dearth of cantrips that you get so yeah yeah it's it's two extra spells five times throughout your career and it's just it's great it's fantastic and those spells Um, are front loaded too which is also wonderful yeah no, they're great. So at first level, the free spells that I get as an aberrant mind are Arms of Hadar, Dissonant Whispers, and Mind Sliver. All really great spells. Um, yeah. If I wanted to change those, I could. I think I'll keep those. The one that I would probably change out is Arms of Hadar, because yeah. that's a melee ranged kind of spell, and I'm probably going to avoid melee. <laughs> Man, I remember in Baldur's Gate, like I'm, I'm halfway through a an honor mode playthrough and like will pops out in his intro scene jumps right into melee casts arms of hadar and is immediately knocked unconscious by like five goblins it's like yeah what are you doing if i'm gonna go for the flavor for this build for yuffie i like the idea that a lot of her spells are psionics rather than magic based so i'm going to change arms of hadar to antagonize which is a fun okay. spell. <laughs> it does 44 psychic damage, and the target needs to make a, a reaction to make a melee attack against another creature of your choice that you can see. If the target can't make this attack, for example, because there's no one within his reach, the target instead has disadvantage on its next attack roll it makes before the start of your next turn. Yeah, that I mean, that's basically... That's basically from the crown. Book of Many Things. Yeah, it's basically Crown of Madness, but only once. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> And damage, because Crown of Madness doesn't do damage. Well, I mean, it it makes them attack another creature in melee every turn. True. Uh, But yeah, still, cool. And yeah, just aberrant mind. What do you guys get at first level? Good question. Good question. I should not have scrolled away from shadow magic, but here we go. Okay, what do I get at first level? So I get Eyes of the Dark. I get Dark Vision with a range of up to 120 feet. And also I get strength of the, yeah, I also get strength of the grave, which if I'm dropped to zero hit points, I can make a charisma save equal to five plus the damage taken. And on a success, I drop to one instead of zero. And looks like I can do that once per long rest. Like in Randall's campaign, I think that happened exactly once, but I was, I was also playing like very safe and defensive. Yeah. If you tend to get stabbed a lot as a sorcerer, that's pretty nice. (laughs) How about you, Randall? So I can speak, read, write, speak, read, and write Draconic. And uh, whenever I make charisma checks against dragons, I get to double my proficiency bonus. So that's exciting. I think more importantly, Draconic Resilience. At first level, your hit point maximum increases by one and increases by one again whenever you get a level in this class. Additionally, parts of your skin are covered by a thin sheen of dragon-like scales. When you aren't wearing armor, your AC equals 13 plus your dex modifier pretty good it's basically permanent mage armor and i got i got plans for that we're, we're gonna invest in decks <laughs> it's gonna be great all right it's good it's gonna be good oh i because i was so excited about the free spells i got i also forgot i get another feature at first level which is i can as a bonus action speak telepathically with a creature within 30 feet of me well we can speak telepathically with each other as long as we're within a number of miles equal to my charisma modifier, nice. uh, which is great. I can only do that a few times per day, but yeah, definitely useful. Oh, let's see. I forgot to say, let's see. So the subclasses that get 
additional spells. It's Aberrant Mind, Clockwork Soul, Lunar Sorcery. Only those three currently. We have a blog post up on the site that has recommendations for bonus spells for other subclasses. There were a lot of differing opinions from folks in the community, so there's actually a really good discussion down in the comments on that post with some alternatives to the ones that I suggested. So, like, if you think your party's sorcerer needs additional spells, go give that a look and, you know, take some suggestions, adjust things. Like, obviously, it's homebrew, so you know, pick what works for you. Okay, so let's talk about level two. So this is where we start to get stuff that really sets the sorcerer apart from other spellcasters, especially the wizard. So level two, we get font of magic and we get access to sorcery points. When we first get font of magic, all that we can use it for is turning spell slots into sorcery points and turning sorcery points back into spell slots. So effectively, we get one extra first level spell slot per day. That's fine. Yeah, it's... It's fine. It'll get better as we gain levels, as the pool gets larger. This is really good for multi-class builds, like Sorcerer Paladin builds. This is really popular because you can melt down your high-level spell slots into a bunch of first-level spells to and to use Divine Smite a bunch of times. Warlocks can feed their pack magic slots into, into Font of Magic and recharge your sorcery points on a short rest, which is nice. We're just worried about single-class sorcerers for the most part, so... This pool scales one-to-one -one with your sorcerer level, so you'll have a ton of points eventually. But they do recharge on a long rest, so you do need to be careful to you know, manage your resources throughout the course of the day. And if you get the opportunity to get a Bloodwell Vial, get a Bloodwell Vial. It's really good. Was it five, five sorcerer points to, part, to, to go with it? I think it's four on a short rest, but still, like an extra four sorcery points per day. Pretty great. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And then level three, we get we get meta magic, which, which is what you're actually going to use your sorcery points for. Like this is arguably the sorcerer's most notable feature beyond their spell casting, because it lets you modify your very, very limited number of spells to to suit your situation, to be more effective, just in general, makes them better, makes them cooler. Metamagic, like there's cool options like quicken spells so you can cast spells up bonus action twin spells so you can affect two targets instead of one heightened spells so one creature has disadvantage on their initial saving throw which if you're going to hit someone with a save or suck pretty great like ah yes yeah, disadvantage on blindness yeah yeah metamagic is awesome you do need to be mindful of the sorcery point costs on various metamagics, though. Some of them are very, very expensive. There are some complicated rules around some of them, like quickened metamagic is especially complicated just because of the rules for how bonus action castings time works. So if you quicken a spell, you can quicken a leveled spell to cast it as a bonus action, and then you can only cast cantrips if you have any other actions that turn. You can't cast the cantrip as a bonus action and then cast a leveled spell. Like it's it's very confusing. Ah, yeah, it's confusing. S Sorry, players who came from Baldur's Gate. You can't, in fact, cast two spells in the same turn. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I were to cast a leveled spell as an action, I can't quicken and follow up with another leveled spell as a bonus action. It's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a great wombo combo that I plan on exploiting because I have it is mind sliver quicken spell. Then, yep, because yep, you give a <laughs> you give a creature you give a creature a penalty to the save of the next spell. Guess what? The next spell's coming right now, sucker. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's such a good combo. Yeah, yeah uh, it's great. if you're if you're feeling extra desperate, you throw on heightened spell there too, so the disadvantage and the minus one d four. It's like okay, they're they're gonna fail that. <laughs> so I'm I'm going quickened and subtle. Oh yeah, uh, subtle good. spell. Subtle spell is a neat one. It it doesn't see a ton of use in combat, and it's not always useful. But like removing verbal and somatic components means you can cast spells while you're tied up. You can cast spells in an area of silence. Yeah, it, it can be useful. It's not always useful, but it can be, and it's very cool. Uh, important to note, Tasha's also added two new options, Seeking and Transmuted. Seeking allows you to essentially reroll an attack roll on a spell, which is great. That was missing. There's not that many attack spell 
spells, but if you're playing on lean into that, definitely pick this this one up. And transmuted, also a great one. It allows you to basically apply apply what's good about chromatic orb to all of your elemental spells. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. If you're playing a storm sorcerer, like you need transmuted spell. Actually, if you're playing a draconic sorcerer, you also need transmuted spell because now suddenly all of your leveled spells can get that charisma bonus to damage. We also get second level spells at this level. Now we're not going to we're not going to dwell here for too long. Check our uh, sorcerer spells breakdown, but you get like you get some really cool stuff here. Enhanceability is a personal favorite cuz like it it is the buff for any any situation that requires a bunch of ability checks. Just enhanceability just instantly makes it easier. And if you're following along with me and my aberrant mind, this is a boring level. You get calm emotions <laughs> and detect thoughts. Woo, be still my heart. Uh, you might want to change those out. But I am curious. So Randall's going quickened and subtle. What are you picking, Tyler? Oh, boy. Quickened and subtle. I think I'm going to go for quickened and twinned. Like twin spell chromatic orb, very solid at low levels. Yeah. Very good. Well, I was also going to go quickened and twinned, but I think to be different, I'm going to do, do, since I'm going to be lean into Saver Sucks on this build because she is a psychic kind of thing that affects people's minds, I'm going to take heightened and twinned is what I'm going to pick. Or no, no, I'm picking quickened, quickened, so I can mind slipper and then (laughs) attack. Yeah, that's just too much of a good wombo combo, but yeah, I'll do heightened and quickened. That's what I'll do. Okay, level four, we get an ability score increase. What are you guys doing with it? Pouring, pouring it into charisma. Yeah, I think I'm going to pour it into charisma too at this level. Okay, I would come out at level one with 17 charisma, so I would go looking for a half feet. I'm going to have a bunch of stuff to do with my bonus action, so I'm not going to do telekinetic, but Fey Touched is a really, really good choice. Getting two extra spells that I can cast using spell slots is awesome. So I get Misty Step and one first level spell from restricted set of schools. I'll probably end up with like Bless or Silvery Barbs or something like that. But, you know, don't take Silvery Barbs. It's mean. Yeah, don't do that unless you hate your DM. (laughs) We've been over this. Stop that. Don't do that. (laughs) All right. So we also get an optional class feature at this level called Sorceress Versatility. Now, Sorcerer's Versatility lets us replace one of our metamagic options and replace a cantrip. So, like, this was introduced in Tasha's. It prevents you from getting locked into whatever options you chose at low levels. If you played through level three and your your metamagic options didn't work out great for you, now you can retrain one of them, which is nice. Yeah, because again, like, the first time out, you know, just what we were talking about with using Quicken in your bonus actions, you might find out, oh, I can't use this as often. One of the traps that I fell into the first time I played a sorcerer is I was looking at Twin Spell and I I, I didn't grok it. I didn't really understand it. And of course, a lot of the spells that I was tending to cast were things that were having area of effect. Like I can use fireballs for everything. What am I using Twin Spell for anymore? So, yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me. So that brings us to the end of tier one it took us a while because there was a lot to cover and a lot of jokes uh sorry (laughs) (laughs) we had a good time sorry (laughs) not sorry in the slightest we had fun all right so i think i think we're gonna call it there on part one we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna take some deep breaths i might open a second beverage and then hey we'll be right back for part two